0: This morning we're going to start by reading Philippians 4.19 again. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Again, as you will recall, we're talking about the sufficiency of Christ. The simple fact that whatever we talk about spiritually, whatever God has for us, whatever life brings us, whatever the plan of Christ, Uh, of God for our individual lives the Lord Jesus Christ is enough to supply whatever is necessary Uh, and I think everybody here will recall that we started sort of at the top of what he can do he's able to save us to the uttermost that is he is able to uh, take us to God's best God's highest the extreme end of God's purpose the full reason For which Christ laid hold of us. And we look just at a sort of a small thumbnail picture of what God has for us. Uh, But it's something that God wants us to realize. Jesus is able. Whatever the circumstance. Whatever the right desire. Whatever the need. The Lord Jesus Christ is enough. Now in a very real sense... um, Laying hold of what God wants to do for us and do in us is really about us building something. That is building a godly life, building a Christ-centered life, building a life, <clears throat> a life that truly manifests the fellowship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you probably will remember this picture of a building in Dubai. That is the tallest building in the world. It would be cool if you could, you know, see how big people are standing next to it, but just trust me, that is the tallest building in the world. I would never go up to the top of that building. Every tall building moves a little bit in the wind, and I just, I don't do that well. But, uh, you know, if you're a certain type of person, you want to be at the top, you know, the penthouse. You want your offices on the top floor. And uh, if you do remember this picture, you remember my saying that you can't have only the top part of the building without having the structure underneath it that supports it. And I have seen too many down through the years who stressed only the peak of God's purpose and never ever told anybody about what has has to do with building up your life to that point. In fact, down through the years, from various uh, sources, David Franklin is legal. You know why David Franklin was legal? Now that's our—that's our—you know—that's our Grace Church swear word. You know, if you want to call somebody a bad name, you call them legal. Uh, well, really, it's because I believe we need to be practical. There are certain things that don't belong in our lives. There are certain things that do belong in our lives, and if we don't face these things practically, then we're not going to build the structure in our lives that leads us to the peak of God's will for us. And that's just a part of the practical thinking that we need. There has to be a preparation. There has to be a godly structure. Uh, God's perfect will for us is not going to just sort of hang up there without a life built that leads us to that place. This construction picture shows a lot. It's very busy. You can see that the ground has been cleared. You can see that the, the forms have been laid for the upper part of the foundation. There's equipment there to bring the building to its full height and all of those things. And, uh, you know, there has to be something going on or we don't reach that, that apex of God's will. And so this is the practical side of God's work in us, raising our spiritual level Raising the character of our lives, the character of our our, our walk, the character of what it, we are building in life so that it brings us up to that highest place that he has for us. Now, of course, before you build a building, there has to be a plan. I remember when we redid this structure, now we weren't building from, from scratch, but Uh, There had to be a plan in place. If you're going to renovate a building, you need to have a plan in place before you start tearing out and making changes. And God has a plan for us, just overall. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing and heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him not outside of him to be saved, but chose us in foreknowledge in Christ before the foundation of the world. He had a plan for us that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now I know provisionally every child of God can be said to be righteous, that is, without blame. But does the manner of life Does the life, people like to talk about lifestyle, you know. Are we building a lifestyle that doesn't show forth godly characteristics? His purpose for us is that we should be holy and without blame. That's why he cleanses us with the washing of water by the word. And then you go on having predestined us to adoption as sons. Literally having predestined us to being placed as sons, as full-grown sons. Uh, by, by Jesus Christ, there's the sufficiency. Everything that God does for us is through the Lord Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So you can see in, in that uh, set of verses that God had a plan. Does this passage detail the whole plan? Absolutely not. The Bible's a big book. And the New Testament is a fair-sized book. I know it's made up of little books, but there's a lot there. Nevertheless, you can see that from the foundation of the world, God had a plan involved in salvation. It wasn't just, ah, you know, we need to save some of these people. Let's just wing it and see how we make this go. That's not wise, even humanly speaking. God has a plan, and as you can see there, Christ was at the center of that plan from eternity past, just just as he still is today. And I'm not going to go into more details of that plan. Maybe that's another lesson for another time for another person to teach. I don't know. But let's start with the foundation for our life. If you're going to have a plan to build a building, to build a structure, there needs to be a foundation. And again, Christ Jesus is sufficient. The Lord Jesus Christ is enough for that. Jesus can uphold you. Jesus can maintain you. He can support you in the full eternal purpose that God has for our lives. He can uphold you and cause you to stand fast whatever this life may bring. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. Uh, that's not it. That's not it. There we go. For we are God's fellow workers. By the way, think about what a statement that is, that the Lord would make us his fellow workers. Uh, Brother brother Ted back there had his son working with him for a few days, I understand. And Marlene said, he said, I didn't get a lot done, but I taught him a lot. (laughs) You know, it looks really impressive when we're God's fellow workers, but... You want to know the reality? It's a learning opportunity. It's a learning experience. Every relationship, every situation, if you give it to God, it's a place to learn more about the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're God's fellow workers. You are God's field. There's growth there. But then you are God's building. Not your own. You're bought with a price. You are God's building, according to his plan. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, he was the one that set down this gospel for this age as God gave it to him, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for other foundation can... Uh, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So we all have a question that we need to answer for ourselves at some point, And that is, is Jesus really sufficient to be a solid foundation for life? And there are so many things on which people try to build their life. Uh, some people say family is everything. If family is right, everything in life is right. Other people say, you know, you've got to have money, and so the point of life is to get money. Then you can take care of your family, and others may say something else. It's politics. We need to sort out this nation. We need to get the right people in there. Well, uh-oh, I'm making a comment by my accent. Um, people have ideas about what will really build and solidify and stabilize things. Is Jesus Christ sufficient for stabilizing your life? For building a life which uh, will be solid. Building a life that will be satisfying to him and you. A life that will stand firm. No matter what may come. And. Again, that's an answer that you have to come to for yourself. You know my answer. You know what the Bible says. But it's a practical thing. People, people make all sorts of so-called decisions, and they don't carry through. That means it wasn't a decision. Is Jesus enough on which to base everything, money, politics, whatever it might be? Jesus is the foundation. Is he enough to base everything in life upon? You have to answer that question in your own heart. But buildings start with a foundation, and our wise, our loving, our mighty Father gave us the only foundation that can uphold us. Other foundation, well, I'm trying to quote from the old King James, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And I accept that as an absolute truth. I take it literally. No other foundation. Christ is the foundation. Everything else is just shifting sand that you can't count on. Uh, but then, do you know there needs to be something underlying the foundation? Other foundation, can't, but what does the foundation rest on? In Luke chapter six, verses forty-seven. Uh, forty nine, Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Here's the foundation and here's the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. There's a town in Alaska called Valdez, Valdez, Alaska. Maybe one or two or two of you might recognize that name. I'm guessing probably not. But in 1964, there was the most powerful earthquake in Alaska that was ever recorded in North America. And they said the shaking went on for almost five minutes. Now, five minutes doesn't sound like very long, but when you have shaking that can take down buildings and crack the earth open and buckle highways and make rocks fall, and five minutes is a long time. That little town of Valdez had a population back then of around 600 people, and I I think it was 34 people were killed. Most of them were standing on a dock watching a ship unload, and there was an underwater collapse, and there was a big wave came and took them out. The buildings were built well, they all had good foundations. The problem was, now back then, there's a lot of soil science and areas of engineering where you study what's going on below the ground so you know what you can construct there. Nobody realized that basically, down for I don't know how far, it was nothing but sand and gravel. And so when the shaking came, there's something they call liquefaction and everything just collapsed. And when they rebuilt, they moved the town several miles away where they had something solid upon which they would put their foundation. And, uh, well, if I can make my iPad move. (laughs) What is the bedrock upon which our foundation, Jesus Christ, is laid? Psalm 119, verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Now, if you look at the word of God, the written word of God, the Bible... Starting in Genesis, you find out that the Bible tells us over and over again, symbolically, prophetically, literally, openly, the Bible tells us about Jesus. The word of God reveals Jesus, who is the living word. And his word is fixed and established. You know, this world changes a lot, doesn't it? I have thought lately, oh, I don't know, I read read books. I listened to them. My eyes won't hold up very well anymore to much reading, but on the Wright Brothers and all they went through to build their plane, I mean, you, you think they were just a couple of bicycle mechanics that, oh, let's build an airplane. They really put a lot into it. And now they have supersonic planes, and I plan on going to South America again, and, you know, what would have been months getting there. I'll be there in less than a day. It's amazing how much progress the world has made. Some things aren't so good. Opinions change. Philosophies change. Morals don't change. They collapse. And I think we're seeing a moral collapse in our country. And I honestly, this is not a prophecy, and I've probably said it before publicly, but I really feel like we're in a time of judgment in this country. And I don't see it getting better unless there is a revival. I hope that comes, but I don't know. Be that as it may, you look at the word of God, the scripture, and it provides a basis on which Christ can become our foundation. Uh that's where the power is. That's where, that's where the strength is. That's, that's the weapons in our warfare. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We present that unchanging, solid word of God to people, telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And suddenly, there is a foundation in that heart, or let me say, a basis in that heart for having Christ as the foundation an unchanging basis. And so Christ, <laughs> he's enough. He's the stone the builders rejected, so if you want to go down deep and find the rock to build the foundation, there you go. He is the, the, the foundation for us, and uh, I'm confident that everybody here, just looking around, knows how to allow Jesus to become the foundation in our lives. We do it by accepting him, receiving him, Believing him. How do we do that? Uh, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, grace, not works. The Roman religious system, and it seems like maybe during the course of my series on eternal life I brought this out, but the Roman religious system calls certain works graces. Just because somebody says it doesn't make it so. You know, years ago I read a book 1984, and I don't remember. If you ever read the book and find out it's weird, I was in high school, okay. But I do remember that one of the things is they changed words. They completely changed the meanings of words. And uh, we are seeing in our society that certain words have been changed to have whole different meanings. I'm not going to go into that. Just because somebody says that a work is a grace doesn't make it a grace. I mean, when God says something, he picks his words, he picks them for what they mean, and the Bible makes that really clear. Romans eleven six. and if by grace it's no longer of works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. You're redefining it. But if it is of works, it's no longer grace, otherwise work is no longer work. Grace is unmerited favor, something you do not, you cannot earn. So you're saved by grace through faith. Through faith in whom? Through faith in what? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's enough. He's sufficient. Uh, it's sort of become popular among some Protestants, and I, I don't know why. They they somehow want that connection with an old system, I guess, but they like to use Latin phrases. Why? One of them they like. Now, Martin Luther used that, and so all you know, it, 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 sola fide. You ever heard that? Only faith, or faith alone, we might say. Uh, I prefer English. I prefer, for some strange reason, I don't know, I prefer when I talk to people that they would know exactly what I'm talking about. That, that, that's pretty important. So instead of saying, "sola fide," I'm going to say that we are saved by faith alone in Christ. He's enough. And when that happens, A foundation is laid in our life to build something that can last, something that can rise to great heights. Now, notice that Paul didn't say, no other foundation is quite as good or as solid as the Lord Jesus Christ. No other foundation will do this quite like the. He said, there's no other foundation without Christ. Think of the world. Think of your life if you have ever tried to build on something other than God's plan in Christ. What a catastrophe it is. Why is the world in the condition it's in today? It's not building on the Lord Jesus Christ. But once that foundation is laid, we can then build a life. Uh, If we build on it in a way that doesn't fit the foundation in a way that doesn't reflect God's holiness, his will, in a way that doesn't show forth the character of Christ, what we build will ultimately be consumed in judgment. Now, I like to do stuff. I like projects. Sometimes it takes me a long time to finish a project. Sometimes I never do. But I like to do stuff. And, you know, what we do, what we choose to do, it's important to us on some level or we wouldn't do it. How would you like to come in to the end of your life and say on your deathbed, I just wish I'd spent more time at the office. Or, you know, if I could have shoveled snow one more time. No, no. How about everything I ever did? was a waste of my time. I won't tell the whole story, but there was an elderly man who was dying, and he said, I spend my days in regret. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. The foundation will endure. And what manifests Christ in our lives will endure. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. Styles may change. You redecorate your house, it's just in style. Ten years from now, Realtor comes in and says, It's a little dated. You know, you need to. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He's always right, He's sufficient for what you build for your life. But if we're going to talk about foundation, there's more to God's plan than just the foundation, the structure of our own growth and development as individuals. He has a plan for us to be built together as a church, as the body of Christ. And a solid foundation is needed for the church. A solid foundation is needed to build something That isn't just me growing spiritually, but us growing together spiritually. Having Ephesians 2, verses 20 20, through 22, having been built on the foundation, talking about the church, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together. Not built out there like a lone ranger, lone stranger, lone something out there. Built together. There's a reason we're called on to gather together. Built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. By the way, I'm going to throw something out, sort of for free, but anyway. Down through the years, I've run into a sizable number of people who claim to be apostles and prophets. When I was doing real estate, I came in contact with various churches and I discovered how many so-called apostles and prophets there are out there. Never mind some of the big organizations that claim they have those. I'll talk to you. I'm going to say 3 things about that. First of all, being able to prophesy doesn't give you the office of a prophet. Uh, this morning I did what I often do the hair was hanging a little bit over my ears and I didn't like the way it looked so I did the bathroom barber thing and I trimmed it up a little bit you know you do not want me to try to cut your hair do you? <laughs> why? oh I can trim I'm not a barber I, uh, I did a lot of the wiring in the old parsonage that we had I think maybe I did all of it I, I rewired the basement after that really shocked myself at a certain point when I thought the circuit was turned off and it wasn't. I did a lot of rewiring in our current house, down in the basement especially. I'm not an electrician, am I, Dan? <laughs> I've been known to call Dan because he used to do that kind of work and say, Dan, what do I need to do here? Uh, I used to like to garden, and over the years I grew a lot of different things. I had watermelons and cantaloupes and gourds and, and uh, squash and tomatoes and I don't know. Beans. Tried to go peanuts, but the deer kept, kept eating them. down. Anyway, I'm not a farmer. Didn't ever try to make my living as a farmer. And I could go on. But I never met anybody or knew of anybody that claimed to be an apostle or a prophet who was really all that knowledgeable about the Bible whose real character and spiritual understanding showed that the Lord had put them in some kind of a special place. And second, the same goes for those that I've known or known of who claim to be apostles. My father met a so-called apostle one time, and afterward he said, if I ever met an apostle, I would expect that he'd know at least as much about the Bible as I do. I can say amen to that. And third, according to what Paul wrote here, apostles and prophets are in the foundation. This is something I think most of you have heard me teach. They are in the foundation of the church. Our house, and I hope your house, has a good, solid foundation of some sort. But aren't you glad that they didn't build up a lot of, you know, stone, some have stone foundation. In the little bitty basement windows, you know. Aren't you glad they changed what they were doing when they started building the superstructure? We don't want the foundation to go all the way up. The apostles and prophets are in that foundation. Um, so we have the ministry of the apostles and prophets. Somebody said, we need that ministry. God, is, we have it. It's in the Bible. 2 Peter, this isn't going to be on screen, but Second Peter three, 2 Peter 3.2, that you may be mindful... Peter wrote, explaining a part of why he was writing what he wrote, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. How were they going to be mindful? Because these things were written down. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that foundation upon which the church can be built. It's not to be built on social activities. Somebody said, the church is a family. Well, in a sense it is, but you need more than just family relationships. How many of you have family members that's like, you know, eh? (laughs) You need more than family. You need the foundation of the word of God with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Now, Paul talked about himself as being a wise master builder. The master builder would lay the foundation, he'd start with that, chief cornerstone cornerstone doesn't mean much anymore maybe it'll say established 1903 you know in the name of the building maybe if you go into it there's a little time capsule in there somewhere well back then they began to lay the foundation but when they were going to build on that they they had to have a cornerstone and the whole building you know you had something to shoot for that that stone was laid exactly so the building could line up with it and that's Christ and that's why I can say everything in the Bible lines up with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the chief cornerstone. And now we have something to build on. A lot of things we don't need to build on. We don't need to build on a denomination. Uh, the entire There's an idea that some whole that we need denominations or something else to sort of keep things going the way they need to go. Uh, we don't need anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ and the provision he's made. Part of the provision he has made is pastors and teachers and so forth. He's, he's done that. that. That's there. That's his work. Jesus is enough. We don't need those extras. Again, Ephesians two twenty one through 22, in whom, that is in Christ. We'll get there. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, in whom you also are being built together, Christ is enough. He's enough for the accomplishing of everything that He wants done for His church. There's a human tendency to want something different. Israel fell into that, and uh, we we read in First Samuel. Chapter 8, verses 4 and 5, Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you're old, your sons do not walk in your ways. You know, we've seen things. I remember how things were when I was young, and the sad changes, some horrible change that has happened down through the years among the churches where I had fellowship when I was young. Things just aren't working like they used to. Your sons don't walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all other nations. Samuel was grieved, but you may remember that a little later, God said to Samuel, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Who's in charge of the uh, the church? Christ is the head of the church. And if we try to set something up to prop things up, we're saying somehow... He's not quite sufficient. I generally tell people if they ask what denomination our church is, I say we're non-denominational. But you know what? I'm anti-denominational. I think denominations cause damage to people. Jesus is is sufficient. And to substitute a man-made system or authority or structure to do his job just says, I don't believe it. I do believe it. Jesus is enough and may we let him give us the wisdom, teach us to build our lives, our assemblies, our persons upon the person of the Lord Jesus Christ because he's enough. Amen.